0: This morning's scripture reading comes from Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. Listen now to what the Spirit is saying to the church. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba. Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We had so much scripture in the call to worship, we didn't need any more, and this is a short little passage from this short little letter, which Paul wrote to the Galatians church. So let's, uh, before we get into it, let's pray. Please pray with me. May the meditations of our hearts together this morning, O God, on this last day of 2023, and as we prepare to enter into 2024, be acceptable in your sight. And life-giving, abundant life-giving to us as your people. We pray this in Jesus' name, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Keep praying. I think I forgot part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Out with a bang. I'm not one for New Year's resolutions, really. I um, have found over my life that uh, my expectations of fun on New Year's Eve uh, kind of start off the year in kind of a sort of a downer because every time I expect to have a great time on New Year's Eve, it never quite lives up to uh, my expectations. Uh, I could go through a litany of parties I've gone to where it just wasn't what I expected, what I hoped, and I went home early. Um, not a big party guy anyway, uh, so uh, it never quite worked for me. But I have had some fun or funny moments on New Year's Eve in my life. And what I really remember um, is a call I made to my parents many years ago. I called from New York back home to Washington State on New Year's Eve, and I said to my my father, I said, Dad, what's your New Year's resolution going to be this year? And he said, I am going to try to be the best husband I can be to your mother every day of the year. I thought that was pretty good. And so I, then I said to my mom, Mom, what's your resolution? She was on the, what we called in those days the extension, the other phone. And uh, she said, my New Year's resolution is to make sure your father keeps his New Year's Resolution. And normally, my dad was funnier than my mom, but in that, that moment, she won. The world is a mess these days. 2023 uh, had so much pain in it, so much sorrow, uh, so much frustration, and the years before it We're about the same, so it's been a tough road. We are in the middle of a happy holiday season. We have beautiful decorations. We've all been around people we love very much. It is a nice little vacation, as it were, for most of us, not all of us, uh, from what has turned out to be, for many people, consistently a pretty harsh reality. How do we get out of it? We don't seem to be able to do it. Our world, our human race, and each of us in our own way seem to be trapped in an age-old human dilemma. Which is, the harder we try to get out of this maze in which we find ourselves, the more trapped, the deeper into it we seem to get. I um, read a or was listening to a, an M, a report on NPR about. Um, Abundance, and how we—most human beings on this planet—in the end of 2023 have access to so much more than any people have had, of course, in the history of the world. Whether it's technology, uh, medical advancements, um, uh, art developed into these—you know—just amazing uh, expressions of the human spirit. Communications there the world is in many ways one. We carry around in our pockets computers more powerful than the one on which I wrote my master 's thesis, and that cost almost five thousand dollars <laughs> uh, and I had to have a dot matrix printer and a floppy disk to do it right uh, Now I can be in touch with any piece of information or any person, almost every person in the world has these computers on their phones these days. And yet, we're still in a situation in which suddenly out of nowhere, over a thousand people can be slaughtered in Israel, and a couple hundred more taken captive. For what reason? Or over 20,000 people, I guess, in some kind of um, return gesture slaughtered in Gaza with the numbers still rising. We have any pick any street in this nation, including in our own town, and there's danger, unfortunately. Any school, any place of work and this crazy obsession we have in this country with guns makes a person who is angry or hurt or disturbed or lonely uh, a danger, a mortal danger to the people around them. We are, in so many ways, so more advanced than we've ever been, and yet we are just in the same boat as always. We are running in circles. In fact, for a lot of us, it doesn't seem to be getting better at all. It seems to be getting worse, ironically. So let's take a look at this little brief passage from Paul's letter to the Galatians church and see what it has to say about um, what's ahead of us in this new year. It's a good time to contemplate what lies ahead. I had a professor in seminary, a preaching professor, who said every worship service should be centered around the expectation of a good word. So what is the good word that comes to us today in this fragment of a letter we have, this one side of an ongoing conversation between Paul, the founder of this church, and the members of the church back home were trying to figure out how to live together and to live in the world as followers of Jesus Christ. Paul writes, but when the set time had fully come, God sent God's son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption of daughters and sons. When the time had fully come, God sent his Son. That's Christmas, in case you didn't catch it. And the reason that first Christmas happened, Paul is saying, is to liberate us from the tragic delusion of our perfect selves. Jesus hadn't been gone all that long, and the Galatians, like us today, were trapped. That early church was already arguing and fighting, which is sometimes what churches do, and they were arguing about whether or not Jesus came so that all of us would have to abide by every little rule in the Bible, every jot and tittle, as they say. One side of the argument said, if you want to follow Jesus, you have to be a Jew like Jesus, follow the law, the Bible, what we call the Hebrew scriptures, or what we the Old Testament. The other side of the debate said, no, things are different now. It's not about perfecting yourselves, not about being good or doing good, because that's impossible. Paul says it's absolutely not necessary to follow every little rule, because you can't do it. And by trying to do it, you set yourself up or those around you, your children, your community for failure. So as we get ready to start 2024, many of us today have that same feeling. I don't know many people, even within the church, who are obsessed with following every little rule in the Bible. But I do know quite a few of us, a very, very high percentage of us, who are pretty fixated on trying to do it all ourselves to achieve a standard of perfection and achievement that is really impossible to, do, to achieve. We are trying, and it's not working. We're trying as a society, as a human race, as I've said, and it's not going very well. We need Christmas to be more than a one or two week vacation from accomplishing things, from creating a self-image that'll make us feel good about ourselves. The more we try all by ourselves, the more we try to live a good life, to create a good life, to manufacture a good life, the more we try to have the right kind of faith to do it all within ourselves on our own steam, the worse it gets. I'll never forget in college being convinced by somebody to go hear a man named Leighton Ford preach. He, Leighton Ford, was Billy Graham's brother-in-law. I don't remember much of what he said that day, but I remember being quite moved, and I wrote down on my little Garfield notepad that I had with me, I still have it, uh, it's coffee stained and torn up, but I still have that little piece of paper it probably wrote in 1984, maybe, uh, and here's what Leighton Ford said. He said, if it's up to you and me, we can never be sure. If faith is up to me, if salvation is up to me, if living a good life, a full life, an abundant life is up to me, if peace is up to me and you, us together, we can never be sure. God didn't show up at Christmas just to remind us of the reality of love or to give us some family time or let us spend some time in cherished traditions to sing beautiful songs. Christmas is about God arriving in our midst as one of us to redeem any and all who will open their hearts simply. To stop obsessing about doing every little thing the Bible, the law says, or the shoulds inside our head tell us we should be doing. And simply to receive adoption as children of God. To free us from trying to live Perfect lives, to try even to free us from trying to get our faith perfect, to free us from the same mistake Adam and Eve made when they sort of believed that snake who said, You can be like God, just go for it. Because that's the trap, that's what gets us into trouble. Going on our own, being solo artists. And if it's up to you and me, as good as we are, as faithful as we are, as smart as we are, as hardworking as we are, we can never be sure because we are all fallible. We all get tired, we all break at times. And the Christ child shows up and all of a sudden, we don't have to work so hard anymore. We're adopted into this this family of love where what you've done or accomplished doesn't matter what matters is you as a human being as a child of god being adopted into christ's family because christ comes at christmas liberates me and you from thinking and believing in our hearts that we have to be perfect and being secretly ashamed when we're not it means being freed from the weight of the world on our shoulders and we're adopted into something bigger than ourselves it's a wonderful feeling. I can tell you, as an adopted person, it is a wonderful feeling to be secure in the, in the fact that you are loved when it could have gone another direction. And as an adopted person, I can tell you I had nothing to do with it. I peaked at five days old, best day of my life, and I had nothing to do with it. In fact, I'm told I was not an attractive baby. Um, And my dad still says he was tempted to ask if they had any more in stock. Um, Luckily, they didn't, apparently. Um, You don't adopt yourself. You only can receive adoption, right? Isn't that an amazing image Paul uses for why God sent God's son into the world? That's God's reason for doing it. That's the reason, the resolution that God has for this coming year. This coming decade, this coming moment that's ahead of us. You don't adopt yourself. You receive adoption. And once you are secure in that love, anything is possible. Whether you succeed or fail doesn't matter because you're always loved. That's what Christmas is about. And here's what I think it means. There's a book I found called Solid Living in a Shattered World. This is a great title. The writer Bill Hinson tells about a Christmas a few years back when his daughter Kathy received a perky little white puppy under the tree. Kathy noticed that this perky white puppy constantly wagged his tail vigorously. So she named her new puppy Happy because of that tail, because the dog, she said, had such a happy ending. Get it? Happy ending. Bill, the dad, decided to build a house for Happy. But whenever the new house, whenever he invited, tried to get the dog to go into this new house after it was completed, Happy wanted no part of it. When they put Happy into the house, he would run out, scared to death, tail between his legs, not wagging anymore. They tried everything they could to get Happy to feel good about his new house because a lot of effort was put into that house. Happy would not go in it. Finally, Bill, the dad, gave up in frustration. He was angry now at Happy, and stalked into the house to get a drink of water, and as he stood at the kitchen sink looking out the window, he couldn't believe his eyes. There was Happy, Happy, tail wagging, serenely trotting into his doghouse, and lying down as if he were at home and had been, been his home forever. Bill was amazed so he went out to investigate and he discovered what had happened. As soon as Happy saw Kathy go into the doghouse, Happy knew the doghouse was a safe place to be. When Happy saw Kathy go inside, he trotted right in beside her and sat down and he knew from that moment on that was his place. That is what the incarnation Christmas is all about God entered the same anger and strife filled world that we all live in we're all part of today that we all contribute to God entered into this world to bring peace and goodwill not just to all people but into all people to adopt us into a different way of living a different way of seeing things. Okay, let's take a quick look at the second half of this short passage this morning. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba means daddy, more literally in Greek. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant. So you are no longer a servant, an employee in this house, but a son, a daughter, a child, And if a child, a son, or a daughter, then an heir of God through Christ. That's the reason for the season, this adoption, this inheriting that we get to be part of, not because we earned it or learned it, but because it's a gift. So you hear people say, wouldn't it be great if it could be Christmas every day of the year? It could be Christmas all day long. Well, that's what God intends, that is the plan. That is why God invaded our planet that first Christmas and gave us this gift, this gift of this child. Paul wants us to know that being adopted into the family of God is supposed to change things for you, for the people around you, and then by the process of radiation outward, the world. If you and I were to live the way Christ intends for us to live, simply as loved people, secure in that knowledge, that certainty of who we are, we'd be willing to risk anything, anything, to make sure that love is not only in us, but shared with other people. If we lived Christmas out on a daily basis, the love, compassion, and generous service that Jesus brings into the world, then the world would change, slowly maybe, but persistently, inevitably. And Paul says, you can't do it by yourself. I can't do it. We even together can't do it. We have to accept that hard truth, but we're not alone in this. This is what Christmas means. And the spirit of God's own son comes into our hearts if we simply face that hard truth that we can't do it alone and let that spirit Come in. The world is waiting, I think, for the people of God to live out what we say we believe, what we sing about and pray about on Sundays. Not just one time of the year, but all throughout the year, every day of the year. Could it happen? It seems like a far fetched dream right now. But that's the meaning of the kingdom of God. We say, Thy will be done, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. If you read through the New Testament, you'll note that Jesus talks about the Kingdom of God all the time. By the way, the New Testament's a lot shorter than the Old Testament, so I'd start there. But count how many times Jesus mentions the Kingdom of God, or Google it, that's sort of the way to do it these days. But that was his primary purpose. That's the reason he has arrived. That's the purpose of Christmas. It's God's new resolution not just to get you and me into heaven, but to get heaven into us right now. Christmas is over, but the Christ child is here all year if we allow him into our hearts, not just into our vacations. I'll conclude with words of the great theologian, Paul Tillich, who wrote, there is something surprising, unexpected even, about the appearance of salvation something which contradicts pious opinions and intellectual demands. The mystery of salvation is the mystery of a child. A child is real and yet not real. It is in history and yet not historical. Its nature is visible and invisible. It is here and not yet fully here. It is manageable but not controllable. And just this, Tillich says, is the character of salvation. Salvation has the nature of a child, a child who's here to stay. Amen.